quack, quack, quack. So nice to talk to you again, my dear Quack 12 listeners. Oh boy. So we were definitely looking to get to this recap episode with the full crew, meaning Aaron and your boy Adam Chameo speaking currently and Hithla Day. We were all going to get together. We were going to record a good old fashioned bowl breakdown and also a Quacksaball recap, which there's definitely been some serious Quacksaball that has been needed recapping. However, due to some uh, difficulties in planning, because Aaron's got a family and such that he that he seemingly likes to hang out with, I don't get it. Also, yours truly caught COVID, which is very much real, very much spreading around like crazy, and very much has this duck in a bed, isolating by himself. Uh, overall, feeling pretty all right, but still. It threw some uh, a couple of wrenches into the works. So we will have a Hitler Day episode really breaking down this, uh, you know, somewhat uneventful, somewhat exactly what you thought was going to happen, but very much um, entertaining beatdown, which was the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I mean, it was entertaining. It wasn't like live mascot being eaten uh in front of an entire crowd entertaining but it was still very entertaining so many broken records bonix just absolutely going off uh just com- a completely one-sided affair we will have uh, the patented hithla day roster review or not roster review but um you know what i'm talking about the Patented Hithla Day breakdown, if you will. The duck dive, that's what I was looking for. Different alliteration. We will have that episode coming up. And we will always be breaking down basketball. But I thought I would uh, record one of these, our our least popular episodes, uh, undoubtedly. You know, I don't blame you. The solo Adam Chimeo episodes. And uh, I, I just want to say... I am so happy to be a duck. I mean, yes, it is. It's a tough season. Uh, Could be a really tough season if the Huskies actually win this final game. But it's a tough season as in we only have two losses. They were both to what is clearly, unfortunately, one of the best teams in the country. The Washington Huskies, Ted Bundy's own Washington Huskies. Which, yeah, I hate. I absolutely hate that. But we lost to, clearly, uh, one of, if not the best team by a an accumulative six points in two games. Both of them we led at one point in the fourth quarter. I mean, could not have been any closer. So th- there is some solace in that. There's solace in the fact that the Ducks are recruiting like crazy. While the Huskies are recording like, well, not like a national title contender, I'll tell you that much. This game against, uh, let's, let's stop talking about the Huskies for a while, goddamn, I'm, I'm done with that. Let's talk about a, uh, I would say, slightly more despicable, yes, more despicable program, a more despicable quote-unquote college Liberty University, the Flames, for some reason they have like 
what is it like an, a flame mascot and like an eagle or bird? I don't know. I didn't really care to learn too many mascots. They also got some some jokers dressed like the Joker, like like Heath Ledger's the Joker. I don't know. I don't like it. Jerry's Jokers, they call themselves. That's right, Jerry Falwell. They are proud proud of that man for some reason. Uh, not to get too political or anything, but I mean, come on. Come on. Glendale, Arizona. The Ducks went in there. I'm sure they were a little offended to be matched up with uh, a team that, you know, power to them. It's, it's quite impressive to go undefeated in a regular season. But uh, I don't know if they deserved the New Year's Day Bowl. You know, this 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 is a big, big bowl game. And there's fewer and fewer big bowl games, as we all know. A lot of these bowl games are getting a lot less important because of the playoffs, because of opt-outs and such. Now, I've never had a huge problem with the opt-outs. I mean, sometimes they suck, sure. But overall, I mean, these are based, most of them are are just for you know, to have, to have another practice, to, to get a trophy, to say you won something at the end of the year. And so it shouldn't really matter if, you know, five of your best players are gone because, well, you got a whole last team there and the other team probably has some players missing and this is an opportunity for them. And this is supposed to be a team sport after all. So, you know, the opt-outs never really bothered me, but it does mean a lot. It means a whole lot. That so many ducks, especially Bo Nix and Bucky Irving, deciding to come back and play in this game, not a game against you know powerhouses, but a game against an opponent is kind of what it felt like. And it was really, I'm sure there was a little bit of like for uh Bo, there was some. I'd like to get some records and records he did collect quite a few records actually, but I think there was a lot more of, you know, obviously he loves playing college football. He's played the most, he started the most college football games out of anybody. And it was obvious to anyone watching this, that it was important for him, not just to get to play one more game with a team that has completely transformed his career and his legacy, but also because he really wanted to play for this coaching staff, for this fan base, with this team. And that is obviously a really good sign of a thriving culture. Even after two tough losses, so many players decided to come back. Obviously, like, Troy Franklin, you know, he wasn't there. Uh, But... Dang, like, and I, I don't blame him, you know, like, honestly, I'm glad because if anything, it gave Tez an opportunity to shine even more. Tez, who I hope comes back, please, please, please come back. Um, As Dan Landing said, this game was about unfinished business, you know, and it the unfinished business was certainly not beating the hell out of a team that is um not on a level. It was much more about just just get the taste out of our mouth. We made it to the Pac-12 championship game, which is which is pretty freaking cool. Obviously, didn't go the way we wanted. Very close game, but uh we had a bad first half which doomed us there. 
But the unfinished business was just, let's get this program heading back into the win column. And we got there. It was awesome. I'm I'm so stoked. 45 to 6. 45 to 6, and it could have could have been way worse. With absolutely way worse. Uh so wonderful. He set a U of O bowl record with five touchdown passes. <laughs> that's that's rad. Uh 18 of the last 19 attempts to finish the season with a completion rate of 77.45%. On the season, which as we know, beats the previous NCAA record of 77.36, set by some Joe Schmo Mac Jones from Alabama in 2020. We all know 2020 is a fake year too. A much easier year to throw a high completion percentage. So pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um he, bro- he broke multiple records that were set by Marcus. In his Heisman season. It's just amazing. Which I, I believe, what was that? That was passing yards and touchdowns. Uh, 45 passing touchdowns in a season. 4,508 passing yards. That was a hysterical time at the end of the game. When it when all the drama was out. And the only drama that was left on the field was. Are we going to let Bo get a high enough or we got to put him back in so that we can erase the mistake that he made basically and get him back up to to the record setting percentage that was very funny especially when we had it and he was like oh well that that's it for Bo and then for some reason i mean the only reason why he's out there is cuz he wanted to play more then he he misses a pass and so he goes all right we got to do a couple shovel passes in here that's hysterical it kind of, I mean, by the end of the game, we could have just ran the ball over and over, and I bet you we would have scored if we wanted, but it's amazing. Um, not only that, but we should talk about how Tez Johnson, he caught 11 passes for 172 yards, gave him 86 receptions on the year, which broke a record that was actually broken just earlier this year by Troy Franklin. That was, he had 81 receptions on the season. Johnson obviously surpassed him. He now is 86. Um, The previous was 77 before him. Amazing stuff, truly. Bucky Irving also had an amazing game. I mean, it was almost nice that first drive where Liberty made that first quarter, really. Uh, First quarter ended. It was a 6-3 Liberty lead. It didn't last long after that, certainly, but um, it was pretty hysterical to have them have the, I guess, the hope that they were going to win. Everyone, like, it, it really, I mean, I was scared for a second. I so didn't believe that we were going to lose to them. It was just, it's just so damn unlikely. But, hey, the score was 6-3. And just the stakes of losing to them, it would, that would hurt your season. At that point, you would hope that Bonix wasn't playing. You know, <laughs> you don't want to taint his reputation. But uh, things things worked out real quick. If you watch the highlight video, the highlight, the Liberty highlights, they stop real quick, and there's not that many of them, not that many of them at all. So, not I, I don't really know how much I want to go into actually breaking down this game. It honestly, certainly, if you weren't a Duck fan. Wasn't that interesting? 
It was not that. I loved what I love watching Liberty lose any game, but specifically us just tearing them apart limb from limb. That was very fascinating. I loved it. But uh, as far as details, I don't know. I can give you stats, but you can look those up yourself. I swear you don't want me just shouting out numbers. I already did. The first half of this is about all the numbers I'm going to say. But I just, I'm, I'm thankful for this team. All right. And we're kind of in, we're almost in a win-win situation. I am not rooting for the Huskies to take a, a, a national championship before we do. No, no, no. I don't count those first two they have. This would be a real one. And I don't want it. I honestly would, I'm rooting hard for Michigan. The cheating ass Michigan. That's what 2023, I guess 2024, has me doing now. Has me rooting for a cheating ass team in Michigan. But I will root for our fellow Big Ten brethren in this game. For a couple reasons. One, because that means Harbaugh will likely be like, well, I've done all I can do here and I'll fly off to the NFL, which will make Michigan worse, which helps us. And also for number two, I want to see the sad faces on them Husky fans. You know I do. You know I do. If they were to win, which, you know, the fact that they have a living god at receiver and probably the best quarterback in the nation. Heinbonex. That was close. Um, I, I honestly think they're going to win, kind of. It's an interesting story for the Pac-12, I suppose, which is now dead. So I guess that's a nice thing. The other thing is the fact that you lose to the national champ twice by three points in games that could have gone either way, truly. That that does have a nice ring to it. Um, it's still not worth the fact that Washington would win, but... That is one silver lining in a uh, piss-filled cloud, I guess I would say. Oh, boy. That being said, awesome season from the Ducks. We can only go from up from here. The recru- recruiting class is getting ridiculous. One nice thing that can be said about not having to rely... I mean, we had a great QB, don't get me wrong. We had a Heisman-caliber QB. But the system that he is playing is a really well-designed system in which they don't have to be making Michael Penix throws. They just have to be making the right throws. You know? They don't have to do a perfect 50-50 deep shot (laughs) to a a seemingly unpartable wideout in Roma Dunze. Uh, They don't have to do that. They just have to make the right decision to get it to a very talented playmaker in front of a consistently good O-line. And so that's where I get excited about Dylan Gabriel, about Dante Moore coming in. You know, not we're, we're really not having... We're having to replace good talent, that's for sure. Cole Martin now has entered the transfer portal. I think that's the biggest unfortunate news I've seen so far. But overall, it looks like we're returning... I mean, Jeffrey Boss is coming back. Quite a bit of elite talent that made this team what it is. And more chemistry only makes us better. Meanwhile, Washington 
They're an older team. All their talent is heading to the NFL because their stock will not be higher. Their recruiting is not elite level, though it wasn't, and they got here, so who knows. Uh, so that's that's where I feel confident. And because we got that W at the end. And it's because, well, Liberty, their whole thing is they needed to be able to to get the yards on the ground. Our D-line, eh, we ain't going to allow that. If that's all you got in the bag, and if you don't have, you know, truly, truly uh, spectacular talent on your line, we are going to shut that down. I think we've proven that. This is one of our best run-blocking seasons uh, basically ever, quite frankly. Sure, we got some problem at safety and, and maybe even corner, obviously, depth there. But I, I'm still very proud of this defense, and it showed up against Liberty in a huge way outside of their first drive. And you still got, you know, you, you had like Pleasance out there making a spectacular play late in the game. It just goes to show you, we got some good talent that we should be excited about. We completely shut them down uh, outside of our first drive on offense. Wow. I mean, just just about flawless. Bucky Irvin just doing Bucky Irvin things. Looking a lot healthier. A lot healthier than he did in the Pac-12 championship game. And anyone who's been truly watching Ducks knows Jordan James is the truth. He is. You know, I think we've had a lot of running back 1A, 1B situations lately. He, in my head, is running back like star, <laughs> like star running back right there. I think he is something you can like build a team around, especially with a good O line, which I have no reason to believe we won't have. Because again, hey, Poncho, Poncho goes out there, replaces, you know, probably the best center in the country, Jackson Powers Johnson, and he kills it. Uh, yeah, Poncho Lalaulu, man, I I love the dude. Young guy, JPJ, um, seems to have all the confidence in him. I, I, I love it, man. Line play is truly where you get to that next level. Now, that that's, I don't know, that's about all I got to say. I know my, my voice is a bit rough to hear right now, too. Some people just sound weaker when they get sick. Some people sound like Clint Eastwood, all cool or, or sexy or sultry voices. No, mine's just kind of wimpy. So I'm not going to subject you to it too much longer, but I do want to just sprinkle some quacks ball on top of this app and then bounce. Stan, well, well, let's get into it, shall we? I don't know why I, I saw the word Stanford. I almost said Stanford. This is not a Stanford podcast. That does not exist in this world. I want to talk about these ducks. Let's talk about the men's team because a women's team I can recap in about a minute and a half. I think we need to move on from Kelly Craves, if I'm being real. Uh, the, the talent drain is very real. And he hasn't really shown to be able to get the next wave of elite talent that would eventually either develop into something or immediately put us into competitive Pac-12 play uh right now we are on truly bottom tier bottom 
tier women's basketball teams in Pac-12. I mean, for those who haven't been paying attention, we lost to Santa Clara, we lost to Portland, we lost to Utah Tech. And these are not especially good teams at that level even. And those aren't our only losses, but those are certainly our three worst, probably in uh, the Kelly Graves era, all in one season. Our best win, Oklahoma State, but outside of that, I mean, there's it's been it's been tough to watch. We're coming off of losing to, that is right, the Oregon State Beavers, and they're a good team. They're undefeated. They're a very good team, but the way it happened, oh my, I mean, we had a, a pretty substantial lead at one point, a good you know, fifteen twenty point lead, something like that. We were holding them to a ridiculously low shooting percentage. And then in the third quarter, the wheels came off. Uh, just pretty humiliating. They scratched and crawled their way slowly, but still surrounded a pretty large lead due to just our inept offense. And our offense hasn't been where it needs to be since UNESCO left, which if you've been listening to this podcast, I, I kind of think that's the only reason why we were Pac-12 title, title contenders to begin with is because we, we recruited the best in the game, the best maybe that there will ever be uh, in UNESCO. And then obviously Hebert too, you got to say. Hebert and uh, Satu Sabali and then so many other wonderful talent now this is the team without a Hebert, without a Ionescu. And then so even when you do plop in great talent, which we do have. I mean, Chance Gray can kill it on just about any team. Um, Grace Van Sluten could kill it on any team. Filipina Che is raw still, but would certainly find playing time on, on even top 25 rosters. And all this, uh, but it just doesn't work right now. And we're super thin after that. And just the system is not working for these players. It has not worked for the players in the last couple of classes either. And you will see there's so many. I mean, the Sedona Prince killing it at TCU. And your Rogers, Zena Pow Pow. I mean, uh, Angela DeGalic, the list goes on. We're getting to a point where if you are a good player on Oregon's roster, even if you like to be here, it'll behoove you to leave, which is uh, not a good spot to be. But let's get out of that. Let's get into men's basketball because this team is very watchable, has a lot of grit, and is just fun as hell to watch right now. They just beat UCLA 64-59. to Thanks to some awesome late game dramatics. It was, it was a pretty, I mean, this is a bad UCLA team. I should say this is not the UCLA of, of the year before with Hawkes and, you know, Tiger Campbell and all, this is a much worse one. However, we beat them. You know, we're, we are beating the hell up where it is. We may be getting Mookie back, which would be amazing. But right now, Kwame Evans and uh, Jackson Shellstad are just, wow, just next level players there. 
64 to 59, we beat the Bruins. Uh, Shellstad had made a big play, uh, especially late. He just drained a three. It, it's, I love it. it. It's, you gotta watch it. If you're in Eugene, if you're in Oregon, hell, if you're just a Duck fan, you, you owe it to yourself to start paying attention to this team, even with the injuries. Jermaine Kuznard also made, it's just, he's, he's a, he's a key player too especially with all the injuries we've had. It's nice to have some consistency out there. The shooting's getting better. We're, I mean, the defense is getting better. This is the best team Altman's had in a long time. I'm just, that's all I want to say. The players that we weren't expecting to play on that much, you know, they're not, they're not all Pac-12, we'll say that much. But like Diawara, uh, Bartholomew, Aquendo, Tracy, these players, they're being asked to really pick up their game and they're being on the winning side. That's all you can really ask. They're, they're making key plays in moments enough that have been adding up to a 10 and three record right now. Couldn't be more excited for the squad. So I guess all I want to say is women's basketball, Men's basketball, hell yeah. In Oregon football, 2023, you know, and the bowl game in 2024. Legends, I'm very grateful for this season. Very grateful for this team. Grateful for you, the listeners. And uh, sorry, my my voice sounds like crap. We'll be back with Hithla Day, with Aaron, doing our regular thing. You know we go all during the offseason. Even when we got nothing to talk about, we will still talk about Duck Sports here on the Quack 12. Love y'all. Quack, quack. Bye.